FVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Friday is upon us. Having said that, uh, an interesting trade once again in the markets, but more intentionally is, is what's happening when we look at the bigger picture. Energy markets, inflation, recession, uh, the fundamentals that are happening with corn and beans. And then not, let's not forget uh, a possible sale that wasn't. We're going to get all those details and a lot more today with Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net. And I wanted to start out, kind of get your thoughts on these energy markets. And you and I were talking before we started this program. And you guys are watching what happens in that trade pretty closely right now. We are, yes. Um, the heating oil contract, I think, is a very important contract to watch. And... Um, when you think about uh, overall uh, demand for energy, you're going to think about RBOB is going to be your, your unleaded gasoline. So that is more from a, uh, a driver, an individual civilian driver standpoint. Um, and then your heating oil as a proxy for diesel fuel is going to be more, you know, trucking related. Um, and so I, I think keeping an eye on heating oil um, is, is something that could be... Um, maybe a a canary in the coal mine for when the energy market, if they start to believe that we are heading into a major uh, recessionary environment where we're going to see demand destruction. Uh, And the reason I say that is right now we have seen heating oil come off of the highs, and these highs were made um, just about a month ago. We've come off these highs by about a buck in heating oil. And um, right now it looks like we could be forming a right shoulder for a head and shoulder top. Um, and so if we end up taking out about $3.30 a gallon on the September heating oil contract, that would breach the neckline of what this potential pattern would be. Um, and, and then that would suggest that heating oil values would go back to essentially where they were in December of 2021 before we really saw this sharp run-up. And, and that would be uh, down around $2.20 a gallon would be the measurement that that would project to. Um, and so uh, that would be one thing I would say is if, if we do see September heating oil uh, break the 330 level on the chart, um, I think that validates the head and shoulder pattern. And I think that would also suggest that the energy market believes that we're going into a, a more recessionary environment that is going to curtail demand. So having said that, what are some things, I mean, from a producer's perspective, as they continue to watch these energy markets, what are the levels or things that they can be looking at to kind of keep up to speed as well as to what's going on? Well, um, some of the conversations we've been having with producers that are concerned about, you know, should I be buying diesel? Should I not be buying diesel? Um, I, I think maybe what you, what you do is one of two things. Um, either if you're concerned uh, and, and you're personally in the camp that you'd rather just have the fuel bought, um, but doing that in, in the face of a potential pattern that would send energy values substantially lower, um, you could always buy your fuel needs uh, and get that locked in. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, heating oil options just really aren't very tradable. So if you want to have something to maybe uh, protect you from, from buying fuel at too high of a price, if we do see energy values break substantially, uh, you'd have to use some kind of an option position in, in crude oil. Crude oil options are really the only options between crude oil, heating oil, and, and RBOB that are tradable. Uh, they're very liquid where the other two aren't. Um, so we have had some producers say, all right, well, I'll go ahead and lock in the fuel, and then maybe I'll buy a put 
in crude oil or a put spread in crude oil. That way, if we do, because crude oil also has a, a potential head and shoulder top. Um, and so if, if we see the crude oil market roll over, uh, then at least bring some value back into your account and, and help reduce the cost of, of what you paid for your fuel. Um, now, there's also the flip side is, um, you know, seeing if we can get that um, that larger scale break in, in diesel fuel values uh, driven by the, the break in heating oil uh, and being patient on the cash side. Um, but if you want to have something to help offset a potential move higher in energy values, then it would be the opposite. Uh, be patient on the cash market and uh, instead look at some kind of a call position in, in crude oil to, uh, to help uh, gain in your account uh, if we do see uh, a turnaround in, in the energy values. And, and, Susan, this is one of those tough things where, you know, we go weekend to weekend and, and even sometimes, just, you know, the close of one day to the opening that night where new information comes out. And it can turn a, a day where it looks like, hey, that was a great close, everything looks bullish, to then, you know, a few hours later, they're, they're selling it. And vice versa, you could have a, a market that looks like it had a horrible close, and then information comes out between the, you know, the market close and the, in the open uh, that changes the tune. So um, it, it's, it, it's been tough to, to do shorter-term trading on, on technicals. Uh, I think you've got to stick to some of the bigger-picture price points right now. Um, and so those would be the two strategies I would, I would say that producers can consider when they're thinking about their energy needs. Uh, and then something else I would also mention is it does look like the natural gas market has uh, a head and shoulder bottom, which we uh, potentially confirmed today. And so when you look at the September natural gas contract, we had some recent lows down around 535. Uh, we've made some highs up in the, um, the 655, 665 area. Uh, so that would suggest that uh, if this pattern does measure to the upside and we and we uh, get to where this objective would be from that measurement, um, you're looking at probably about a, a dollar thirty uh, push higher from where we are currently. So that might suggest that we see uh, natural gas values maybe uh, approach eight dollars again. Things, that would be roughly the, the measurement on that. So things really they need to be keeping a close eye on, especially as we get closer to harvest and, and the dry down time. It is. I mean, uh, you know, depending on um, what type of weather we're dealing with this harvest, we know a lot of this crop went in late. Um, I don't know what, what fall weather is going to look like, but if it's, uh, if it's harvested late and we have a wetter bias, then drying costs could be a major expense this fall. All right, well, stick around, folks. We have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on this Friday afternoon. We'll come back and take a look at some some fears that might be out there recession-wise, also the fundamentals that are happening within the corn and the beans. A lot more is up in just a moment. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people who provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labeled or VM. back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Brian Split, Brian, of course, with agmarket.net. And, you know, Brian, we have heard a lot of talk inflation recession fears just the overall cost of everything and it's all kind of weighing down right now on agriculture uh recessionary fears are you hearing uh more concerns as we move through this growing season 
Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of outside market pressure we, we've seen, and we talked about energy values coming off the highs substantially. Um, you know, the other thing uh, when you look at uh, what's going on in, in some of the used car markets, uh, when you look at what's happening in some of the areas that have been really the, the more robust. Uh, housing markets, Austin, Texas, for example, uh, and we're seeing uh, substantial price decreases in, in markets like that. So uh, there are things happening that would would point towards that idea of recession. Uh, and it's not just here. I mean, you have projects uh, in China, for example, where citizens uh, are refusing to pay their mortgages. And this is something that um, I think the world should take note of because uh, that is not typical uh, of the Chinese citizen to buck authority and and not do what they're supposed to do, right? Um, so that's something that uh, um, we've been looking at, whether it's, uh, you know, additional COVID lockdowns again uh, in China. Uh, you know, we see an inc- uh, uptick in cases. And anytime they lock down, even a, uh, a minor city, you're talking about several million people. So if you get a few cities locked down, that's, you know, 30, 40 million people all of a sudden. Uh, we've seen that be something that, that hits demand for short periods of time. Um, but uh, there seems to have been a, a you know a lot of macro influence on trade this week, where um, you know you will get a, a friendly weather, you'll have a, a sharp gap higher coming out of the weekend, but then you get the market sold into aggressively on those rallies because of outside market forces, um, and so it does appear to us uh, that we have made the highs. Uh, for corn and soybeans, uh, we are in the mindset that we are in a sell the rally market at this point. Are we going to see, as, as you look at the overall fundamentals for corn and beans, is this a tone we're going to see in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think so. I think there's going to still be some opportunity to see higher values. Uh, right now, it's kind of a battle between the uh, expected rains in the eastern corn belt and then you know some of these very serious high temperatures and dry conditions that we're going to see in in the western corn belt and the plains um, and so uh, I, I do think that those higher temperatures in the western belt will provide uh, some potential opportunities to see some bounces again uh, but I, I think something that producers need to be mindful of is you know if, if there's a price where you feel like hey I want to sell some corn or I want to sell some soybeans at these prices uh, have an order there, whether it's with the elevator or wherever you do your business, um, because what we did coming out of the previous week, and I think is a great example of that, uh, hey, maybe you wanted to sell 650 corn, and you thought, okay, well, if I see it and, and uh, it's trading there, I'll sell some. Well, we come out of the gates on Sunday night, we gap higher, we race up to 658 and a half, uh, it's there for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and then it's gone. And unless you had an order there, you probably didn't get it sold unless your broker was calling you on a Sunday night saying, hey, um, do you want to sell this? Uh, and by the time we gapped higher, you probably thought, well, maybe we're going to go limit up. So let's see if we go up another 10 cents. Well, we didn't. So I think this is a period where you got to be disciplined and, and figure out where you want to have some, some products sold and, and put your order and do that. China backing out of a sale. Did that come as a surprise to you? I don't know that they backed out of a sale. I think it was just misreported from the USDA. Okay. Um, you know, there was a, a sale uh, this morning that was reported of 133,000 tons of corn to China. And uh, so that'd be, you know, roughly two boatloads. And then later, backed that, citing additional information from the exporter. So I really don't know what that means. Um, it, it just seems like a very unprofessional thing to do to, to mis report uh, an export sale. Um, but, 
you know, I, I, I've seen the USDA do that a handful of times where they make a mistake. Um, and it's just not very typical. So I don't know what the reason was today, but uh, it was just disappointing because I think the market has been trying to figure out with the break in values here in corn, will China come back in and buy? And it was nice to see them show up and buy, uh, and it was disappointing to see that that purchase retracted hours later. Uh, you and I were talking at, at the start of the show, this uh, talking about Ukraine and some uh, wheat plantings, and you brought up a really interesting point about winter wheat. Right. So, um, you know, something we have to remember is the, the winter wheat crop that Ukraine grew um, last year, that was all planted prior to the invasion. Um, so all of the acres that they wanted to get planted were planted. Now, we have a, a problem right now, and the market is trying to figure out whether or not we can really get this export corridor open. Um, I don't think anybody really trusts Putin. Um, so a dynamic that we need to, to really watch and, and this is going to be as we get into August, late August into September. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. All right. Thanks so much. Always reminding folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.